Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. This is our third lesson on the power of God. And if you weren't with us, a quick review. Jesus was talking to a group called the Sadducees, and the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So they tried to trick him. Of course, you can't trick Jesus. Doesn't matter what the question is, right? But basically what he told them was this. If you don't believe in the resurrection, then there's a problem. The problem you have is this. You don't know the scriptures, and you don't understand the power of God. You don't know either one of them. If you knew the scriptures, and if you knew the power of God, you'd believe in the resurrection. You see, they were so intellectually sophisticated, they couldn't understand how anyone who lived can then be resurrected. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angelic beings or the spiritual world or realm. And so that's why they were said. The early church, we talked about, began with a power of God. If you recall when the disciples went to Jesus and said, are you going to restore now the kingdom to the Jewish people? And what did Jesus say? Listen, it's not for you to know the time of the seasons as far as that goes. But you will receive power. Dunamis, miracle working power, might force when the Holy Ghost comes on you, he didn't say you're going to receive an instruction manual. You are going to receive the third person of deity. And you're concerned about national prominence? When you are going to receive dunamis, miracle working power from on high, life transforming power, power to do what? Power to witness, power to live, power to overcome, power to be protected. And the list goes on and on and on about what the power of God would do in the life of a believer. So he said, look, it's not important that you know exactly what God's going to do as far as those things are concerned. But what's important is for you to be equipped to live in your dispensation. This is our dispensation. The time of the Gentiles is about to be up. And while we are living in this dispensation, it's up to us to cooperate with God to accomplish His purposes in the earth for this time that we're living in. This is our opportunity to represent Christ. It's our opportunity to do what? Witness the resurrection of Jesus to those that are around us. And so... He said, look, you need power from on high. Can you imagine what people would give for power from on high? It's the greatest thing you could possibly experience. Put into perspective, the Shekinah glory was locked up in the Holy of Holies in the temple. It was so powerful that if you walked in there unannounced and unprepared, ill-equipped and so on, you died. 
That same Shekinah glory that came down from heaven, that burned up the sacrifice, that filled the house where they were sitting. They couldn't stand by reason of the cloud. They couldn't move and perform any duty because the glory of God was so in demonstration and so powerfully manifested that they couldn't stand up. Do you know that's what church should be about? Why? Because we have become that temple of the Most High God. That same Shekinah glory, we've got a picture out there. You could see the fire coming down from heaven and going into the holiest place of all. That was the glory. It's in you, it's in me, if we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And so when we're filled with Holy Ghost power, dunamis, force, might, ability, and so on, God in the third person of deity has made his entrance into our being and you know what? You become God's mobile home unit. On earth. Everywhere you go. God wants to live in you. And manifest himself through you. And if we would yield to that. The possibilities are unlimited. I want to share with you a quick testimony. That I shared last Wednesday evening with uh, the study group. As we have our faith and healing class during that time of a woman who said that in her condition she couldn't have children and many other health issues that she was encountering. And she heard about living by faith and walking by faith. And so she took the Word of God. She studied the Word of God. She meditated the Word of God. She declared the Word of God. She confessed the Word of God every single day. But nothing was happening. And I'm sure we've all been down that path once or twice in our lives. But nothing was happening to her. So finally she got alone with God and she said, Lord, what's the problem here? This is what I'm doing, speaking your word over my life, etc., etc. With his stripes I was healed. And the Lord said to her, very simple thing. You still don't see yourself well. You still see yourself sick. I don't see you that way. He said, I see you well. I see you healed by the stripes of Jesus. I see you whole. I see you delivered. I see you set free. But you don't see yourself that way. She made an adjustment in the way she saw herself. And when she made that adjustment, she gave place to this kind of glory, this miracle working power of God that healed her body and gave her two beautiful children. That's the power of God. God wants us to be familiar with this power. Paul said, my preaching and teaching wasn't with these elaborate words of men's wisdom. But I came sharing with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of our Lord, with demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, not in men's intellectual abilities or oratorical skills, but in the power that raised Christ from the dead. You know, that was the battle axe of their ministry. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're going to get power from on high to give witness to the greatest event ever to occur in the realm of human experience. And what is that? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They did that right there in Jerusalem with all the Jewish people that were gathered together on the day of Pentecost 
to celebrate Pentecost in a religious way, but the real celebration took place at some obscure upper room where these hungry hearts were on their faces before God, just crying out to God, we're here in obedience to what you said. Don't leave until we're endued with power from on high. And that's where it fell. Well, you talk about power. What was the objective? What was the purpose of it? Peter preached a message in a hostile environment. Actually pointed the finger and said, you're the ones that killed him. You put him to death. But you know what? Death wasn't powerful enough to hold him down. God raised him from the dead and we are all witnesses. We've seen him. We've talked to him. We've handled him. We ate with him. And 10 days ago, we watched him ascend on high where he was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Repent of your sins and you too can receive the Holy Ghost and power. And 3,000 Jewish individuals, Orthodox Jews, came to Christ. The gospel is the power of God that can break that bondage of religious tradition. No matter how deep one steeped in it, it doesn't matter. You see, that's what it takes. That's what it took then, and that's what it takes today. Where believers say, I'm not giving up, whether it's on myself, my family, my church, or my nation, God is greater. God is bigger. The work's been done. I'm standing with God. I'm declaring the word. I see this nation recovered. I see my family recovered. I see my health recovered. I see myself in Christ as a masterpiece. Not because of me, but because of Him. See, it says, therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore. Therefore, since Christ went to the cross, suffered and died in my place and yours, and God raised Him up, and accepted his blood, and he have obtained eternal redemption for me and for all of us. Therefore, because he is perfect, I come boldly for two things, mercy and grace. Mercy, not giving me what I deserve, but what he does. And grace, giving me what I don't deserve. Divine empowerment and enablement to navigate through this life, not in my own strength, but in his. Amen. Thank God we can see ourselves as who we are in Him because that's what He died for. He became what we were so that we could become what He is. He took it upon Himself to free us from it all and liberate us. Now as we uh, look also, if you think about the miracle that took place, the lame man at the temple gate called Beautiful. Remember that story? <clears throat> Peter and John about to enter the temple, being the ninth hour. And this man was a beggar who, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked an alms. That's where his focus was. 
he was looking out for himself to have some money, I guess, to live. So he's asking alms. But Peter, fastening his eyes on him, says, hmm, with John, look on us. Silver and gold have I none. My wife closed out the bank account this morning. But such as I have, give I thee. Well, what do you have, Peter? What do you have in your pocket? In your wallet? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Who had never walked. Lame from his mother's womb. That defies logic, doesn't it? In the natural world that we live in, it defies logic. But he had a revelation of the name of Jesus that was so powerful that he could rest assured that when he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, he would walk. And he did. And walked and leap, walked into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And then, of course, everybody marveled at that. Peter preached a message among these Jewish people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that shook 3,000 into the kingdom. Shook them loose from religious tradition. This miracle brings 5,000 more men, just men, which means there's women and children as well involved here, and they come into the kingdom. So what's the objective? That God would display his awesome power in such a way so as to get the attention of those that are out there in darkness and get them saved. Healing is temporal. Financial assistance is temporal. Last I checked, we don't take any of it with us to glory, right? But you know what? Salvation is eternal. God wants to shake the place. He wants to shake the world that we live in so that people can come. And be saved. As we continue our study, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 4 once again. Here we have in verse 31, three things that I mentioned before we closed out last week. Three things I want to maybe get to this morning. When they had prayed, there's three things here. But we'll, let's, let's read it first. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So three things. Prayer, passion, and proclamation. In these three verses. So let's start with prayer. Number one. Can you imagine being so effective in prayer. That the place shakes where you're assembled together. You talk about a corporate prayer meeting that they had. That when they prayed. The very foundation. Shook. All around them. It was shaken. The place. Not them. The place was shaken. Where they were assembled together. Almost like what woke me up the other night. When that tornado kind of passed through here, I thought, goodness, I don't know what you felt, but I know what I felt. Uh, once again, we just had one not too long ago. It's kind of odd that we had so many in this area. We don't normally do that. But 
It was a shaking. The wind was blowing so hard, etc., etc. Here they are, they just prayed, and they experienced this shaking of the whole place where they were assembled together. Now, look at the book of uh, James, chapter 5, verse 16. This is from the Amplified, uh, the classic version. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes a dribble of power available. No? What's the word? Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Tremendous power available. We shouldn't be satisfied until the place shakes. And this tremendous power is made available. Dynamic in its working. It's sad to say, but this is what church used to be about, and it's what church should be about. Then we, when we gather together, God shows up. And if not shaking the place, at least He shakes us. Loose and free from religious traditions, the traditions of men, the reports of men, etc., the doctrines of devils. God shows Himself alive. Beloved, it is time to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ as being the greatest manifestation of the working of God's almighty power ever among men, ever demonstrated among men, so that people finally get a hold of it. You want to shake someone's perspective on their identity loose? Trust me. God's power can and will do it if they'll submit to it. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, what are we told? He wants us to have a revelation of this mighty working of His power that He wrought in Christ. When? When He raised Him from the dead. You realize the, the battle axe of our ministry should be that? The foundation of our ministry should be that? Everyone else can say something else, but we can say, God raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead. dead the death, death could not hold Him captive Period. And if God can do that with His awesome power, and this power is to usward who believe. You think about it. Are we just walking in a little shallow manifestation of that power? Or are we really wanting to rise up to a place that this power is in manifestation and on display in a glorious way among us as a collective body of believers, but also in our individual lives? Well, let's go back and let's look at how they prayed. Obviously, it, it, it should tell us something. Go on back to verse 24. This power was made available after they were threatened. They heard the threats. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You think he needed to be reminded of that? But sometimes we have to remind ourselves who we're dealing with. You're God that have eyes that see and ears that hear and a mouth that speaks. Not like these false gods that have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, and a mouth that doesn't speak and hands that don't reach out. But you are God. You are Jehovah. You are 
El Shaddai. You are Elion. You are, and the list goes on and on and on. You are God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You know who that impacts? It doesn't impress him. He knows what he did. But look, they're threatened by these people. These religious leaders want to kill them. They're threatening them. And they appeal to God and say, you're God. Forget them. You're God. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Why are they saying that? To remind themselves who's on their side. To open up their eyes to the fact that they serve the creator of all the universe. So no matter what these people are saying to them, what threat may come their way, it doesn't matter. Let's go a step further. Whatever our report might be that we hear here on this planet, there's someone greater than it. There's someone higher than it. And praise God, we can depend on him. We can look to him. We can trust him because he's God that made heaven, earth, and sea. And all that in them is, is, is there anything too difficult for him then? Shouldn't be because everything else is beneath that. Right? Well, he goes, it goes on to say, in, in the next verse, verse 25, now notice this, in verse 25 it shifts from acknowledging who he is to acknowledging what he said. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said? This is something that you said. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Pontius Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever your counsel determined for to be done. This is what you said. We find ourselves in a precarious situation because we've been threatened by these leaders. And I know these things are happening here because in your great plan, you knew exactly what was going to happen. You, know how, you knew how we would be threatened. And so therefore, I'm appealing to you, letting you know, you're God and you said this. And oh, how do we have to get that in order and in line? You're God and you said this. You said you restore health to me and heal me of every wound. You said you would provide for my every need. You said you would protect me in my day of trouble. You said if I would pass with a fire, I wouldn't be burned. You said if I'd go into the, in the river and go to sink, you would be with me and I wouldn't drown. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me that I could boldly say you are my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, everything we say must be rooted and grounded in what God said who made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is, which means those are his credentials. He has the ability to back up what he said. Amen. And we believe it. Look at the next verse. And now, Lord... Behold their threatenings. Here's the request. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be wrought or done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. That was their request. We want you to know that we acknowledge that you are God. And no matter how man would threaten us, you're greater than, than that. You're bigger than that. After they had prayed this simple prayer, reminding him of what he said, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Would you say they connected with God? I would say they did. Shook the place where they were assembled together. 
they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God boldly among the people. Look at the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 24 because you see here's another place where there is place shaking power manifesting when people pray. We're going to start way back here to put it in context. And a certain woman named Lydia. Lydia was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain dam damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us and brought her masters much gained by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, of the, out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, their pocketbook in other words, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Yeah, they cast out a devil out of this woman. And we can't make any money off her anymore. And we're not happy about that. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them for casting out a devil. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, easy to say that, very painful to receive it, they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. There it is. And sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. So here we have another situation. We have this prayer that's being prayed that's answered by God in such a dynamic way that the place is shaken, the jailhouse is shaken. It was the original jailhouse rock, just to let you know. <laughs> and everybody's bands were loosed. They were all delivered. They were all set free. But nobody went anywhere. You would think the prisoners would run off for freedom. But they stayed. And when the prisoner, I mean, when the jailer, the jailkeeper wanted to kill himself, he wanted to thrust himself on his sword. Let me ask you a question. You ever stop and think about why? Why would he want to kill himself that way? Because the pain he would encounter by the hands of the Romans, being the one who was responsible to keep the prisoners there, would have been so awful He'd rather die a quick death than a painful one like that. But then when Paul cries out, do yourself no harm. We're all here. What's he cry out? 
What must I do to be saved? You want to talk about something that gets people saved, giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And of course, you know the story. Now, I'm bringing it up right here because why? The church at Philippi began here. And you've got two extremes. You've got Lydia, the seller of purple. And you've got this jailkeeper who basically, you could say like a working class individual. So, we've got this um, individual who's dealing with the wealthy class. She has a wealthy class clientele. She's selling purple and fine linen. And if you recall the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. So she's dealing with this high class of people. And here we've got the jailer. He's dealing with a different class of people. He's associated with a different clientele. He's got murderers, robbers, and lawbreakers among him every day. And so now we've got the power of God on display and manifestation in such a way so as to begin a church starting with people from this class and from that class. And it shows us that the power of God is sufficient to save a man and a woman or a woman. Low class, high class, however you want to say it, doesn't matter what your background is, where you come from. But the power of God is all sufficient to manifest itself in such a way so as to bring into the family of God whoever it is that's out there to be saved. Even if you are, a, a, let's say, a lawbreaker. They lived probably in the same town, but were miles apart as far as society is concerned. And if it's possible, if they didn't, possibly their children did, because the book to the Philippians was written in AD 54. So however old they were at that time, they could have been in their 80s, I don't know, by that time. Can you imagine them being in the same church service when Paul's letter to the Philippian church was written and read? Can you imagine the dialogue that would take place even among themselves? Or let's just say that their children were there. I remember my dad telling me about that. He was there. He was the jail keeper. And I'm telling you, when he put Paul and Silas in prison, and it says their feet were fast in the stalks. You know, back then, man, different maybe today, but back then, it was so uncomfortable, it was unbearable and unbelievable. It's not just that they were just handcuffed. Their legs were spread in such a way so as to cause pain just to be in that position. And then their arms are stretched out in such a way so as to make it so awkward for them even to exist. Their whole being was affected by just being in these stalks. Now, I realize the next day they might have been killed. We don't know what was going to happen to them, but probably put to death. Because remember, you mess with their pocketbook, you're probably going to be put to death. But I was there. All of a sudden, as my dad was telling me, or as he was actually saying it himself, I heard them sing. Now, wait a minute. They've been whipped. They've been beaten. They've been downtrodden. They've been humiliated, stripped down, ripped in front of all these people, and, and their backs are bleeding, and their feet are fast in the stalks, and they're in a miserable place, and they were singing. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes whiter than snow. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And they got louder. 
and they got louder. See, they probably started with prayer, and they probably said something like this, Lord, and they heard them. You made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. I saw you on the Damascus road. I was against you from the beginning. But when I saw you, I saw you. I was blinded by the light of your countenance. I fell to the ground. You sent individuals to come to me to pray for me to receive my sight. I received you. I received the Holy Ghost and power. You commissioned me to go and take the gospel message to the, to the kings and to the Gentiles and so on and so forth. I've been doing your bidding and this is exactly why we're here. But now look at what their threats are to us. They want to kill us. They want to take us out. But oh, our eyes are on you. You talk about seeing yourself other than the way they saw themselves. My eyes are on you. I see myself delivered by your mighty hand. So I'm just going to praise you. I'm just going to thank you. I don't know about you, but if I was in that condition, do you think I'd start singing? I'd probably ask for a guitar. Can I play? <laughs> Think about it. See, we read these things and it's like as if they're, okay, it happened. But imagine them sitting there listening to the Philippian letter as Paul writes the letter to the church. I was there, man. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. That's what my dad did. He told me about it. And man, when the earth began to shake and quake and when everybody's bands were loose and we saw that they were still there, they weren't moving. Why? Because they were so moved by God manifesting himself among the people, they gave their hearts to Jesus and we started the Philippian church along with Lydia, the seller of purple, our class of people. We all got together. It didn't matter what class you came from. Jesus is Lord over all. And here, here we were then and here we are now. And he's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. Jesus is the same. Beloved, we're not going to make it through this message. But we're starting. Amen. Because he wants us to be as effective in prayer as they were then. It's not some little, oh, just whatever. God, you made heaven. You made the earth. You made the sea. And all that in them is. And you know what, Lord? It doesn't look like things are going well in our nation. But you're bigger than that. Can you say it with me? He's bigger than that. You're bigger than that. Tell him you're bigger than that. You're bigger than what we're facing. You're bigger than what we're going through. You're bigger than what we're seeing. As a matter of fact, it's time to turn off the TV and all the news stations and all the negativity and all that. You're bigger than COVID. You're bigger than the flu. You're bigger than whatever. Praise God. You're bigger than a famine. You're bigger than the high prices that are going up with gas and all that. As far as we're concerned, you are the mighty God that made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is... Hallelujah. And you told us you're greater in us than he that is in this world. And so you know what? We're looking to you. Our eyes are upon you. And we see this nation recovered. We see, praise God, the church rising up. Seeing who we really are in you. So let's stand up.